In Parsh Vayichi we have the Brichas Yankev. The Yikri Yankev will boon out of the Yemri also by Gidlechem, such Yikri Eschem, Bachas Ayuman. A lot of Svurim Taich, that Bachas Ayuman, before Mashiach comes, the Aitzah to, to be able to withstand and, 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 and survive in the Gulas is if we're Bachas. He also by Gidlechem, Bachas Ayuman. But I saw in the opening Moshe, he says something interesting. He says that the whole Gulas is because of the Sinas Chinam and the Pirat Lavovas. It's because we, we don't get along, it's because we're not, uh, you know, enough Bahava and Bachas. And Yankavini was telling his children that hey, Osvi, if you're going to get together, you're going to join, you're going to unite, you're going to be Ba'achdis and Ba'ahava, then Vagid Lechem Esashik Eschem Ba'achsiyumam. That's what's going to bring Mashiach, that's what's going to bring the Achrasayumam. That's what's actually going to help bring Mashiach. So this is definitely something that we all want. We all want Mashiach. And first of all, there's a, a Gilas Haklal and a Gilas Haprat. Right? Very often we talk about Mashiach, and it sounds like you know we're looking to to get to the Tikna Shula, the whole Kali Yisrael Shav Mashiach and the Gilash Shlaim and the Besamikdash, which is of course the, the ultimate goal. But there's something before that. This one talk about a Rachtinel Mashiach, everyone has their own Mashiach, everyone has their own part of Mashiach, Haklal, and then there's Mashiach Haprat. Very often people are unfortunately in their own gulas, in their own, uh, you know, in their own problems, their own difficulties, because they're not getting along. So part of getting along and part of building a Hava, Achva Shulim is to get out of your own gulas first. We do believe that it's, that it's going to be part of the big Elder Shlaimer. We all believe that. That every little part that we do is, is going to help the whole world come to Tikkun Hashulim. But there's something about your own gulas and your own difficulties that people find themselves in because they're not getting along with each other. And I think obviously the first place to do this is at home. Charity begins at home. And it's very hard at home. Sometimes it's easier to, you know, to live peacefully and, and live Bahava and treat well other people. You know, there's a lot of different uh, campaigns going on about... Um, asking mechila and getting along with people and asking forgiveness and all that. And sometimes you'll see people, it's easier for people to call up a friend or, or an enemy or somebody that they didn't get along with, a partner that they once had a, a fight with and people that they're not on talking terms with and say, you know, I want to ask forgiveness, I want to get over it, you know, I see that things aren't going well for me, I'm trying to figure out whose kapayda it is, who's, who's upset at me. And sometimes people don't realize that it could be the same thing at home. You don't have to, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a cousin, it doesn't have to be a sister-in-law, it doesn't have to be an old business partner, it could be a husband, it could be a wife. And it's not a question that Hayasvi, uh, getting together, will definitely bring us closer to the Akhir Sayyumam. So, you know, if we take it to heart and we try to overlook certain difficulties and certain justifications that we have, why we don't get along with a spouse, why we're upset at a spouse, and, and understand that this is what Yankavi is teaching us. And getting along and uniting and treating others, uh, giving the benefit of doubt and, and, and forgiving and asking forgiveness, is definitely something that will bring our, our Gilas Aprat and definitely Gilas Akal as well. So I'm going to read a question, actually two questions. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, maybe one came in by phone, one by email, but it's so, so similar. It goes like this. Hello, thank you for your shiurim. I look forward to hearing the new shiurim every week, Baruch Hashem. Okay, thank you for that. I've listened to Yishiyam Pashas Vayigash about anger and dealing with anger, as well as this week's shiurim Pashas Vayilach. Okay, so this question is referring to a year ago, Pashas Vayigash. And this past Pashat Vayelach. My question is as follows. My husband very often gets angry and yells when something doesn't agree with what he expects, expected or feels. It's not easy to always anticipate what will set him off. He has no issue yelling at me in front of the kids, which leaves me hurt, dejected, and embarrassed. I'm often so hurt and angry that I don't want to speak to anyone for some time. I can't function as a mother like this. The kids have also lost respect for me, and it's difficult to run a home like this. He, from his part, doesn't see or want to see the destruction this creates. He can blow over in a couple of minutes while it takes me a while to get over the hurt. I'm looking for guidance on how to deal with this. Thank you. And then another questioner writes, Thank you for all that I've learned from you. I have a general question, and I'd appreciate if you can address it. I have a wonderful wife, 
a very good person, but somehow I feel like I didn't marry the person with the best midas. She gets very impatient and upset at some things I do or say. She has a lot of anger in herself and is not so thoughtful or kind. I heard you speak a lot about acceptance, but it really can become tough living with somebody who can easily get angered. Thank you so much for everything. Now, I'm sure some people are probably smirking to themselves and wondering if it's, if it's the same husband and wife that are writing this in about each other. Um, that much I know that it's not. Uh, I don't know who these people are, but I, I, I do know um, clearly that it's not a husband and wife writing about each other getting angry. But in any case, what we have over here is a wife talking about a husband who gets easily angered and it disrupts the home and it's, it's, it's hard to function as a wife and a mother you know, when you're dealing with somebody who has anger management problems, for lack of a better term. Right? We used to call it... Uh, Midisru is chaos and things like that, but now we have better sh- and be- and nicer names for these things. And then a husband who's writing the same thing about his wife. She's a wonderful person, very good person, but I didn't marry the person with the best midis, and it's very, it's very hard to accept that. You talk about acceptance. So anyway, this is definitely a very uh, common thing that people struggle with. It's interesting. I'm just going to point out that the question was something about um, the kids lost respect for me because my husband screams at me. I don't know. Sometimes. I think that often kids lose respect to somebody who gets angry and yells. But in any case, it's definitely difficult to live with somebody who can't control their anger and lashes out and things like that. Not a question. So let's first talk about some perspective and, and just understand what, 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 we, what we're seeing over here and how to, you know, what kind of perspective might, might be able to help you just deal with what you're dealing with. And then maybe a little more practical. So I, I can begin without mentioning that, idealistically speaking, there's, there's the Indian of Mavram Medoisov. Right? And we know that a lot of great people, we hear nice stories about great people whose husband or wife, um, you know, we hear about a lot of tzaddikim, their wife would scream at them and, and, and lose it and turn over the table and all those kind of stories. And, you know, the story, the punchline of the story is that the tzaddik didn't say anything, kept his mouth shut, he got screamed at, and people who watched it happen couldn't believe it. And that's what happened. That's the story. And that's the end of the story. We live happily, happily ever after. What I mean to say is that there, there definitely is to some extent, the, the idea of one working on himself and being able to tolerate when somebody mistreats him. There's such a thing. I, I can't not mention it. Right? There's definitely you know, a, lot, a lot to be said about that. On the other hand, you definitely have to be a big person to be able to tolerate, let's call it abuse, because that's really what it is. You have to be a very big person to be able to tolerate that and, and, and tolerate it in a way that's not going to cause more damage or tolerate it in a way that's not going to make you more resentful and more dysfunctional. Right? You're talking about big people who are able to live through that, and they were, they, they seem to have survived it and 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 done whatever they should be doing. You know, just went forward, you know. But but most most of us aren't there. It's not a question. It takes a lot of work to be Mavra and we should work on it. We should work on overcoming our ego and forgiving and tolerating. We should work on that. But to tell someone who's dealing with a, 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 a angry or abusive spouse, you know, just just sit and take it. If they're not holding there, it's not that's not helpful. So that's just something to think about. In other words, on the one hand, there is work to do. You know, to be able to not be so arrogant and be able to handle when somebody says something you don't like. But on the other hand, if you're not really there, then you're not accomplishing anything. You're just being resentful and you're getting angry yourself. That's first of all. Second of all, when there's, a, when there's children around and when there's a home that has to be around, there's a relationship that has to be tended to, then sometimes being quiet is not, is not the right thing. Just letting these things happen while it's damaging more or you're enabling and you're, and you're making this person who has, who has issues uh, just, uh, just have the issues get worse. And you're not either helping anyone. So there's definitely a lot of interesting balance that we have to take into account. On the one hand, you want to be able to tolerate and forgive. On the other hand, you don't want to make things worse and you don't want other people to be damaged by it. Now, it's important to remember that we can all work on ourselves and we can all take out our tzaddik and the Messiah and refine our own character traits and work on our flaws. And it's very hard to work on someone else's. 
So often, that's what we want to do. If only we could work on someone else's problems. You know, my, my spouse has a, a problem with laziness, or with anger, or with uh, honesty, and I want to work on them. I want to, I want to fix it. It's very easy for us to fix someone else's problems because we're not affected by them, and we have all the solutions in the world. But it, it, practically speaking, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. However, the part that affects you, and the part that, that, uh, that challenges you, and the part where you come in, that's something you could do something about. So if somebody's issues are either, are either happening or not changing, or even getting worse because of something you're doing, that's definitely something that you have to work, you have to, you have to know how to work on. Um, and make sure that you're not making things worse. So that's the part that affects you directly, and that's something that you should do something about. Now let me just mention also, that even when somebody else wants, should be doing the work, right? We said everyone can work on themselves. Meaning, that if your spouse has problems with his midas, or her midas, she could work on herself. Right? Avoid the samidas. Even anger management. People go for all kinds of courses, and all kinds of therapy. The people that are successful in these things are the people who want to do it. People who want to work on themselves. When somebody is sent to work on their anger management, or anything for that matter, right? and they're only going there because they have to, and they don't have a choice, and somebody made them, and somebody sent them, they're very often not successful. I don't say that much. Very often people ask me, can I send you my son? Can I send you my teenager? He has this problem, that problem. I say a lot of times, you know, you're sending a boy, whether it's a boy or a teenager, whoever it is, if he doesn't want to come, chances are I'm not going to be able to help him much. So a boy comes to me, I say, why are you here? Well, my parents sent me. That's the difference between a child going for help and an adult going for help. Often when an adult wants to help themselves with their own personal struggle, it means that they came to terms and they realized that I need, I need to help myself. Well, if you came to that conclusion and you want to help yourself, then of course there's help. Everyone can work on themselves. But if you want to send someone else for help and that person doesn't, doesn't realize they need help and they're only going because they have to, you know, there's, there's only so much that, that, that's going to that's gonna accomplish. So sometimes the more... You, you challenge someone and the more you put it in their face how wrong they are and how much help they need the more defensive they get and the more resistant they are and the less they can help themselves as opposed to when somebody comes to the conclusion that you know I think I need help in this I think I'm doing the wrong thing that's, that's, and it's not easy to help someone get to that conclusion but that's when somebody could really um, help themselves uh, one more point and that is that in, in regard to acceptance right? the second question said something about I heard you speak a lot about acceptance but it's tough to live with somebody who can get easily angered so it's important to understand what acceptance means Acceptance doesn't mean, necessarily, that I'm just going to accept whatever happens in my house. I'm going to accept that somebody throws things at me or doesn't pay the bills or whatever else. That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance doesn't mean that you tolerate. Acceptance means that you accept. You accept the other person. You're not angry at this person. You don't look down at this person. If this person has something they have to work on, this person has something that, that they're challenged by or challenged with or challenging to others, but that's, that's who this person is. That's part of the package. I accept that person. I accept myself. I know I'm not always on time. I know, I know I'm not always reliable. I know I'm not always motivated. And I accept myself. And I work on myself, but I accept myself. I'm okay with myself. I don't think that I'm a terrible person because I have things I have to work on. And that's how you have to accept someone else. I accept you even though you have, you have um, you know, certain character traits that aren't so... Uh, I accept you even though I know that you're struggling with things that I don't struggle with. I accept you even though you fall through in areas that by me is not even a challenge. It means I accept you. I don't look down at you. I'm not upset at you. And I'm not wondering why you can't overcome these things that are for me so simple. That's what acceptance is about. Acceptance doesn't mean that I just let things roll and if there's something I should be doing better or different then I'm not going to because I accept it. That's not what acceptance is. So accepting the fact that you married someone who doesn't have the greatest midas, I, yes, I accept that I probably don't either have the best midas in the world. A lot of times people say, you know, it's, it's, just a, it's just a way people express it, but sometimes people say, oh, he's not the smartest, you know. I always say, the smartest? There's only one person that's the smartest, so why should it be him? You know, he's saying he doesn't have the best midas. Okay, he doesn't have the best midas. Who does? I don't. So that's what acceptance is. Acceptance means that I understand and I accept, but, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to accept abuse 
doesn't mean I'm accepting something that's happening that I shouldn't be accepting or letting happen, especially if it's causing damage and it's causing resentment and, and dysfunction in a home. And being that I accept you and I understand that I'm not resentful, I'm not upset at you, I think another, another interesting point is that you should actually feel bad for somebody who doesn't have the best midas, you know? I think what, when you learn to pity someone who's doing something silly or somebody who, who's struggling in a certain area in, 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 personal, in their personal life, when you feel bad for them, and you see that they're limited and they can't help themselves, it's a very different perspective. When you see someone who's getting angry and you're upset at them, why is that person getting angry? As opposed to, feel bad for you, you know? You keep on losing it. I, my heart goes out to you. I love you and I care for you. And we're married and we have children together. And I really feel bad that you can't control yourself. It's, it's, this is not a joke. This is, this is, it's, a, it's a pity. I was recently somewhere, maybe some people listening to this will even know what I'm, what I'm referring to, but, you know, I was recently somewhere and... And, you know, somebody did something or said something or something to someone else that he didn't like to hear or he didn't like done or whatever it was. It was minor. It was mamish minor. You know, somebody just said, you know, do this, don't do that. And that person lost it. That person lost it. Who are you to tell me what to do? And that person got physical and angry and, and screaming. And people were watching this. You know, and they were like, whoa, what's going to happen here? That outburst. And it ended up very nasty and very uh, ugly. Now, some people would look at such a person and say, wow, how could you lose it like that? What's with you? You're not embarrassed yourself. You could think, what did that person do to you already? Klein a kite, you know, come on. How old are you? The feelings that I had when I watched that was, that's, that's, that's a pity. That's a pity to watch someone that, that loses self-control like that. Now, I don't mean to judge and say it's a pity that he's so crazy. I mean to say it's a pity that somebody could be ticked off so quickly. That's a pity. Who knows what that person's going through? Who knows what that person is dealing with? Or who knows... You know what that person does at home? I, I don't know. It's a pity to watch someone that, that just loses it like that. It's a pity. Someone can make a fool out of himself in public? That's a pity. Especially when a person like that doesn't even realize that he was wrong and later talks about, you know what that person did to me? You know what that person said to me? And a person making a fool out of himself because everyone's seeing something very different over here. So it's a pity. When you watch someone that doesn't have self-control or somebody that has less than perfect midas and you see it as a pity... You feel bad for that person. It's a different perspective than when you get angry and resentful, like, oh, why did that person do that? It's just something to think about. Now, let me just make another two interesting points over here, and that is that very often it's easy to watch someone and say, you know, that person has bad midas. That person gets angry often. It's not easy to think, maybe I have a part in angering that person. Maybe I did something or said something or do something that makes that person more angry. Well, what do you mean? I'm responsible? This codependency. I don't have to take responsibility for someone else's issues. You don't have to. But maybe you're doing something that's causing that person to get angry. And I watched this many times. I dealt with many cases where I saw somebody who was um, getting angry and losing it. And the other person um, looked so much better. You know, look, she gets angry. I don't. That, she must be crazy, right? Well, why is she getting angry? Well, maybe if you start looking into the pattern, you'll realize she gets angry when you do X, Y, Z. And you knew that. And it keeps on happening. It's not a riddle. It's not like every day something else. It's, it's pretty consistent. When you do X, Y, Z, then she gets very angry. Are you maybe causing the anger? Now, it doesn't mean that she's allowed to get angry. It doesn't mean that not, there's not a better way for her to deal with it. It doesn't mean that he should be ticked off because you said something or that he's allowed to lose his cool. But it doesn't mean that you have a partner. It's just, just looking at someone else and saying, you know, that person gets very angry very often without realizing, is there some kind of pattern? And do you have some part in it? That's, that's definitely something you always want to see. You know, just pointing at someone else's flaws and, 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 and you're right and you know that, some, that that person should be dealing with it better, doesn't mean that that person's as wrong as you think they are. That's first of all. And another thing, which is so closely related, and I've also seen in many, many situations, sometimes a person can see somebody getting angry, and they're totally indifferent, totally apathetic. 
In other words, uh, my, my husband comes home and he gets angry that the toys aren't cleaned up. Okay, all the kids are in bed already and he's tripping over the toys. Isn't that crazy? He's getting angry? No, it could be it's crazy. And it could be the toys should be cleaned up. But sometimes what happens is somebody um, starts getting angry over something. That's, that's obviously a silly example, but that's just an example. Why the toys like this again? I, I can't handle it. Sometimes somebody will know how to say, I'm sorry, I wish I would have time to clean it up, and I don't. I'm busy preparing supper and putting the kids to bed. I couldn't, I couldn't clean it. At least you understood that person. At least you gave them some normal feeling and validation. Maybe they would be less angry if they knew that you would care. Maybe if, the, if you would walk into the house and you would greet him and say, oh, how was your day? I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to clean up the toys, but I'll do it very soon. Maybe you wouldn't get angry in the first place. Even if you didn't clean up the toys. But sometimes, some people are, are experts in being totally apathetic, totally, you know, oh, this is bothering you, okay, it's your issue. And that's sometimes what angers a person even more. I've seen people get very angry, and they're not getting angry as much over what they think or what they say they're getting angry about, is the fact that they're living with someone who could not care less that something's angering them. And that's something to think about. So if you know how to give someone a feeling like, well, it's your problem, or this and I already said I'm not taking care of I don't care, I don't care, you can get angry, it's just not my thing. Sometimes that's causing people to get very angry. I mention this because I see people make that mistake of pointing out where somebody else is losing it, and you're right, the person's doing it wrong, but it's the fact that you don't care, and the fact that you told them you don't care, the fact that you told them, listen, it's not my problem, or I can't deal with it, I need my space, don't talk to me about this thing, that makes them even angrier. So this is something that's very challenging for people to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't care. Okay. And, and one more point, before we get practical, is that in my book, Get Along With Everyone, um, I talk about different personalities, and talk about different kinds of people, different natures that people have. And when you understand people by their personality and their nature, you realize that it's not as much the bad midas, it's not as much the fact that a person should work on themselves more, as much as sometimes a personality issue. Some people by nature have more tolerance, and some people have less. Some people are ticked off and angered by certain things, and some people aren't. So if, you, if you're not angered by something, and someone else is, then instead of looking at that person like, you know, he should be working on himself more, maybe you're just naturally more, more tolerant, and this thing doesn't bother you at all, and that person it does. So when you realize that, hey, you know, I, I understand, maybe you should work on himself anyway. I'm not absolving anyone from working on themselves and getting less angry. But I am saying that when you understand a person's personality, you understand, maybe even in advance, what it is that might anger them. You understand why they're getting angrier than you might get, and you understand what you could do to avoid it. So with all that said, there's definitely a way to treat certain people and help them avoid getting angry, which maybe may not be your responsibility, but something that that you definitely have the privilege of doing to keep your home, your home calmer and more peaceful. So that's also something to think about when you see someone getting angry, instead of just wondering, why is he getting angry? Must be his grandmother from Auschwitz. You know, maybe, maybe he's just a person who tolerates less and wants things done a certain way, and you couldn't care less, because it doesn't bother you. But showing that you couldn't care less is what's actually making him more angry. And that's just another thing to think about. So after all that said, just to give, I was trying to give perspective on what happens when somebody's angry. But after all that... The part that you want to address, and the part that you want to talk about, are the parts that affect you. Okay? Sitting someone down, or not sitting someone down, and just blurting out something about that person's anger issues, and that person's character uh, refinement, or lack of refinement, is not the part that you should be addressing. And it's usually very not helpful either. Okay? Addressing someone's problems and someone's deficiencies is usually not what's going to make them see it, and acknowledge it, and work on it. And it's not even the part that necessarily um, you're entitled to address because it's not to do with you obviously if the relationship is wonderful and someone wants to hear it and all that that's wonderful but, but the part that affects you is the part that you're entitled to address so you have to make sure that when you address such a thing you're addressing the parts that affect you or affect the children 
and thereby you and the relationship in the home. Those are the parts that, that, that you come across much more entitled to, to address. So that's, that's first of all. Um, it's actually going to make it harder for someone to acknowledge their own uh, shortcomings when you point it out to them, put it in their face, especially if you're talking about an angry kind of person. So that's, that's also something um, to think about. And another thing is that even when the person does acknowledge their own deficiencies, even when somebody tells you, you know, I have to work on my anger. I see I'm, getting, I'm losing it too often. Um, I, I think I really have to work on myself. Some people take that opportunity and jump on it and say, yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't say it till now, but you should know. It's, it's terrible. It's breaking this home. You get so excited sometimes to see that somebody acknowledges their own shortcoming. And it's not only with anger, it's with anything. Oh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, clean enough. I'm not working on I'm, this. This house is just flying. And you hear it from your spouse and you say, yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't want to say anything until now, but if you know it, you should know. I feel like I come home. I feel like I'm living in a pigsty. Don't say that. When somebody acknowledges it, you could make them feel like you understand. You have to tell them it's not true, but you could tell them, no, I understand, it's very hard, talk, but acknowledge, and I mean to say that you should appreciate that they acknowledge it without jumping on them and making it worse than they're ready to acknowledge. So say, if they say something like, maybe I should really work on it, maybe you should work on it, this is like terrible, don't do that. Don't do that. You have to know what you're entitled and what you're not entitled to do and how much it will help. Back to the parts that do affect you. Okay? Obviously, you have to know when to address things. I keep on saying this. You want to address something sensitive about a person's anger issues and how it's affecting you? Don't address it when the person's screaming. Don't, when, when a person starts screaming, you know, this is really affecting our marriage. Don't do that. Uh, you could address it in a calm moment. And when you address it in a calm moment, you have to address it in a very non-challenging way as well. Because even in a calm moment, if you get very challenging, you could take someone off all over again. So in a very non-challenging way, which is not blaming someone, and making them feel like you, you're absolving them of the guilt and you understand that they really want things done a certain way. And you understand that they come home after a day of work and they're very stressed out. And you understand that the kids are very challenging. And you want, after all that, you can still say, talk about yourself, I still find it so difficult to, to deal with things like this. I, I wish we could find a better way. I would so appreciate if we could do things differently. So in a non-challenging moment, in a non-challenging manner, you should not keep quiet and not say anything because you might be making the problem worse by making believe it's okay. And then things spiral out of control because you didn't say anything. You could say something and you should say something. Now, I don't want to ever suggest, okay, I don't want to ever suggest um, giving someone the silent treatment or not communicating. And unfortunately, people do that to a crazy level. I get, I get calls from people calling me, telling me, you know, my, my wife didn't talk to me for three months. I mean, that's, 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 not, that's unheard of. I, I said, it's, it's not unheard of. It should be unheard of. But there's such a thing as telling someone, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you and I want to work things out. And when you scream at me, it, it shuts me down. There's that idea of, I, I want to communicate with you. It's very hard for me when you scream. So when you yell at me, it's just so hard for me to... I just get shut down. So I'm not going to justify that now I'm not going to talk to you for a week. But there is the idea of telling someone very nicely, if you want to work it out with me and you want to discuss with me, please do it in a calm way because otherwise I have an issue, not you. Not You don't deserve for me to answer you. I have an issue. I, I just can't. I get shut down. It's my problem. So you have to make sure that that's done in a very responsible, very non-challenging way. Now, even if somebody answers you, well, I don't care. You don't have to talk to me. They do care. And don't put it in their face and wait a little and things will calm down. And usually, if you communicated it in a healthy and calm way, it will probably take effect. Now, another important thing, and this also has to do with, with not challenging someone, is don't, don't show someone how you do things differently or how someone else does things differently. There's also a mistake people make. You know, I understand you're stressed out. I'm also, but I don't scream. Stop comparing. Don't, again, it's, it's, it sounds like it's not challenging. I'm just talking about myself, but it's very challenging to point out to someone how they don't they can't compare, they can't compete with someone else who's doing things so much better. It's just, it's just another idea of, of not challenging that I, I wanted to mention. 
um, in general, and, and even during such conversations where you're bringing up something so sensitive, you want to you want to boost a person's ego as much as you can. You want to make your spouse feel like a million dollars. You want to tell them how impressed you are with so many other things they do, and how impressed you are with even in this area things that they do. You want to say this not only when you're having a difficult or sensitive conversation, you want to do it in general. When your spouse believes and feels that you believe in him or her, and you think highly of him or her, and you're impressed by him or her, and that they mean the world to you, and you want to address this small issue because you really feel it's important, your chances of getting through are so much bigger. So not only in this conversation, you give a compliment to preface whatever critique you're giving now, and somebody feels like, oh, she's trying to make me feel good, so that you can tell me I'm an idiot. No, in general, and in this conversation as well, the more highly you think of someone, and the more comfortable that person feels with how you feel about them, the bigger your chances of getting through to someone. So think about it. If all you have to say to someone is criticism, and, and, and the compliments are just like, oh, thank you, oh, so nice, and when it comes to this, you, you spell it all out, then chances are you can get through a lot less. Especially like we started off, if it's naturally uh, difficult for somebody to do all that, you know, to, to overcome these anger issues and things like that. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes you're part of the problem because if a person wouldn't come home feeling so challenged in this relationship, or if your wife wouldn't feel so threatened by you or by your opinion of her, maybe she'd get less angry. So if she's getting angry about the kids and she thinks that, oh, my husband's probably sitting there and thinking, oh, this idiot, she loses it every day at the kids, she's damaging them. When's she ever going to realize that definitely angers people? So I'm not saying that it's your responsibility or your fault that someone's getting angry, but it's something to think about. If a person would feel better about, about how you feel about them, they would probably take care of some of the issue. And it would be easier to address when it has to be addressed, which should. Now, another important thing is that when you criticize someone about anything, and they make any progress whatsoever, even if it's not nearly what you wanted or expected, appreciate it. So often people say, I see you worked on yourself, but you have to understand that, that that's nothing. You know, if you can scream six times instead of ten times, you're still killing the kids. It's not a way to say something. Somebody makes progress, especially in the area that's difficult for them, especially if they took it from you, appreciate it. Make a big deal about it. Don't make the mistake of thinking that if I appreciate this, they're going to think it's okay, and it's going to stop right there. It's usually not that way. When people feel good, and people see that you appreciate the progress, then, then they want to do more of it. And if there's a di- another problem, or a different problem, or the problem continues, you can address it separately. So that's something to think about. And back to a word about perspective. In a relationship where there's something so, so disturbing, and so challenging, and so um, boilet, you know, it's all there in your face, you're dealing with someone with anger issues, it's hard to see the good in that person. But very often, you become black and white, and you see an angry person, and it takes over the whole idea, the whole, uh, you know, your whole um, opinion about this person. If you can focus on the good, even just to yourself, and realize all this person's qualities, which one questioner said, oh, great person, is good, good, keep on reminding yourself, this person is good, this person is helpful, this person helps me so much, this person has so much to offer, this person is unfortunately losing it. And your focus is not only on the negative, and you see some positive, and this is the truth with everyone, with a spouse, with kids, with anyone around you. You deal with the negativity, you deal with whatever challenging issue there is, but you don't let that turn into your whole focus and perspective, then it becomes easier to relate to this person with less resentment and, and you know, in a, in a much kinder attitude toward that person's difficulty. It's easier to have pity for that person in this area where they're challenged and things like that. So when I yourself, you see it the right way, and you deal with it the right way, and you're not afraid. And once you dealt with it the right way and somebody loses it again, you can, you can very calmly address it. Because you said something about it, you can say, you know, please talk to me nicely. Please, I understand this is bothering you, but you address it softly and sensitively. I wish so this could help people. Will it help them 100%? Will it take care of someone's issues all the way? Will it make them the most Oscar Arbiter refined character? Maybe not. But it will definitely make things easier. It will make you relate to them nicer, make you have better feelings for them, and back. And I wish so we could live together by Hava Akhashulam Arayas.